Hello and welcome to OU's Nach Yomi. You can find this year posted at ouradio.org/nach or on my website ericlevy.com under the recording section. Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levy. I am pleased to bring to you chapter 41 of the book of Eov. This chapter continues directly from the end of chapter 40, where Eov was warned that any attempt to put one's hand on the Leviathan, which seems to be the crocodile, would make war pale in comparison. That is the horribleness of the results of trying to put one's hand to control the crocodile. So we continue. Hain tochalto nichzava hagam el marav yutal. Behold, his desire to do so, that is to put his hand on the crocodile, is false. That is, it is, uh, it is an illusion. It's impossible. Since even the sight of it, the sight of the Leviathan will bring him down or cause him to, to melt like water. Lo achzar ki yurenu, umihu lufanayit yatsav. Not even the berserker can rile it up. So who will stand himself up before me? And that, to some degree, I think, is the essential message of this section, of the Leviathan section. Whatever the Leviathan represents, it is something that God is described as having to eternally confront. So if man in general, and Eov in particular, is not willing to take up God's battles, then what gives man in general, and Eov in particular, the right to undermine God with his challenges against God's justice? Who will proceed or even supersede me, that is, in my battle against the Leviathan? I will pay him his due in that the entire heaven is mine, that is, whatever he wants, I'll pay him. This is a, a difficult verse, both because there is a consonantal reading which reads, Lo acha acharish, lamed alef, I will not silence. And the vocalized reading, what's called the Cree, is Lo lamed vav, to him I will silence. And badav is also a, a difficult word. The sense seems to be, I will make silence for him, meaning I will hush everyone up so that if he supersedes me and takes on the Leviathan, tales of his glory can be told, the matter of his heroism, the Devar Gvorot, and the grace in which he sets up his battles, the Chin Erko. This seems to be tongue-in-cheek, of course, since obviously there is obviously there is no man who can fight such battles in God's stead and then be rewarded with such ballads where God himself will hush up the audience to make sure the person, the songs about the person are heard. Um, but the offer is there. That is, if one can make such a stand, then the following ballads will be sung. So starting from verse 5, I think what we have is the ballads that would be sung about this superior warrior, and really it's a ballad, but but if we focus on it, the ballad really is all about the superiority of the Leviathan, which really proves God's point, which is that there is no man that could dominate the Leviathan, only God can. Mi gila who can or who has uncovered his outer clothing, who has penetrated his double jaws or its double jaws. Of course, all this refers to the Leviathan. Who who has opened the doors to his face, meaning, of course, his mouth, all around it, its horrifying teeth. 
Ga'ava afike maginim sagur chotam tsar, the raised channels of its armor, which are closed and tightly sealed. Afike usually refers to a river channel, and if, actually, if you look at the back of a crocodile, which, by the way, can grow to 25 feet or longer, is a truly monstrous beast, um, it has a series of rows and ridges that runs down its back to the tail, to its scaly tail, and it gives the appearance of channels, or these afikim of scales, which are in between these raised parts. Um, and in a sense, that creates that well, that creates a sense that the body itself of the leviathan of the crocodile is made almost as a representation of the waters as, that that it rules over. Echad beechad yigashu veruach lo yavo Each one, meaning each of its scales, touches the next. Even wind can't get in between them. Ish beachihu yidubaku yitlakedu velo yitparadu. Each one fixes itself to its brother. Other, they interlock and cannot be separated. Atishotav tahel or veinav keaf apei shachar. It sneezes like it snorts. When it snorts, the, what comes out of its nose is like a glow of light. Its eyes are like the fluttering of the dawn. Mipiv lapidim yahalochu kidudei esh yit malatu. Torches emanate from its mouth. Sparks of fire escape out. I'm assuming that the word kaf, the letter kaf in kidudei is part of the noun and not doesn't mean like ki. Do day. But either way, it's a very unique usage, so any translation is speculative, and I went with sparks. Smoke exits its nostrils like a flaming pot over burning river rushes. Its breath ignites embers, it's, as flames exit its mouth. Now, of course, all this sounds more like a mythical dragon uh, than a crocodile. And uh, while it's true that if you see a crocodile gliding in the river, you can see uh, its glowing reptilian eyes as they hover above the waterline and its protruding scaly snout, and there's this sense of a fieriness to it. Um, nonetheless, all of this fire breathing and the fire that comes out of its nose and its mouth, it sounds more mythical or at least more mystical than a literal description of any creature that we're aware of. Now, keep in mind that all good ballads, and that's what we have here before us is a ballad, they're worked up a little bit, they're exaggerated to get the point across, even though the essential points are true, which is that the crocodile is a man-eater, and um, it is fearful when it opens its mouth and when it breathes through its nose. Verse 14, Strength lies in its neck, and before its sadness retreats. I think what this means is something akin to our reference of the fact that a crocodile smiles. So if you ever go to a zoo and you look at the crocodile, especially in the heat, you can see them absolutely still. They look like stuffed crocodiles. They look, they look barely real. And their necks are sort of up, they're tilted up, and their mouths are open with their big gleaming teeth. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's the, that the sense here is that this, this way that the crocodile looks, which is a sort of a what me worry or I have nothing to worry about attitude, is built in as part of its very nature. Mapalei bisaro daveku yatsukalav 
Balimot, the folds of its flesh are stuck together, meaning I think that they're not floppy and, and jolly like the behemoth, like the hippo, but it has muscled layers on top of muscled layers. It is cast, yatsuk, meaning it's the way metal is cast and hardened into a shape. It is cast on it and will not topple. The bow, yatsuk mo'aven, v'yatsuk kefelach tachti. Three times we have the word yatsuk. Its heart is cast like a stone, like a bottom grinding stone. That's the massive round stone that, that wheat is put on and then ground on top of it and turned into flour. When it rears up, elim are terrified from its breakers. It, that is, um, well, I'll explain what that means in a second. They miss their mark. So there are a few things going on in this verse. First of all, elim, the elim who are terrified, they could be supernatural creatures. That is, even the angels are, are afraid of this Leviathan. Or it may be referring to the powerful, the ruling class of men, or, or both, because, you know, we, very often I'll mention that metaphor has two levels of meaning. So this Leviathan could be supernatural forces, um, and therefore they scare even the angels that God has created. And it could be the crocodile, the master of all beasts, really. And um, that it is powerful men which are scared of it. Also, as I mentioned above, some of the descriptions seem more akin to a whale than a crocodile. So we have this idea of shivarim or waves or breakers that are causing people to miss. But if we want to keep it to the crocodile, so mishvarim may mean the wake that is stirred up in the water when a crocodile glides through it. Whether it's above the water and below the water, you have this wake that goes out behind it. And the word chata, well, it means to sin. It also means to miss the mark. When an arrow misses the mark, it's called lachati, to miss the mark. So what it means is the, the, the warriors that come against the uh, Leviathan, they miss their strikes, they miss their arrow shoots because of the frightening wakes on the waters. And, of course, there may be um, a hint. when Since it used the word yitchatau, uh, it, there may be a sense also of sitting that is maybe whatever this Leviathan represents, that when it has its presence there, when people feel its presence, they themselves wind up missing the mark with their, uh, with either ill-conceived or maybe even sinful reactions. But the meaning of the metaphor, I think, I'll leave, um, I'll, I'll leave for speculation. As far as, um, the word rearing, seito, which is missing an olive, so we just read seito, but it's really seito, um, I'm not an expert on crocodiles, but I remember the scary part of the movie, movie Crocodile Dundee. I don't know if you've seen it. So the woman, the heroine, is, is crouching by the edge of a lagoon, and all of a sudden this massive crocodile leaps out of the water and grabs on to, not her, but actually a canteen, which was hanging from her neck. It's a very kind of, it's a pretty scary scene. Now, you're probably saying, well, wait a second. If you've mentioned Crocodile Dundee, and I've seen the movie too, that's probably what you're saying. So Crocodile Dundee managed to make mincemeat out of that crocodile. So why is the Leviathan so undefeatable? So first of all, as I said, Leviathan may not be a crocodile. Um, or it could be just that we're exaggerating the point that it is impossible to, to defeat it to make the point that God wants to make, which is that it's nearly impossible to defeat it. And there's, there's one thing which is absolutely clear, which is there's no doubt that people lose more fights to crocodiles than vice versa. In many parts of the world, it is not man who is on top of the food chain, but the crocodile who is on top of the food chain. 
Um, now, in verse 18, the author talks about the uselessness of man-made weapons against the Leviathan. Masigeu cherev takum chanit masa v'shirya. Even when a sword reaches it, the blow does not stand, meaning the, the sword can't penetrate through the armor enough in order to stick in, nor can a cast spear, a chanit, or a masa, or a shirya, um, from the context, shiriyah would seem to be some kind of weapon. However, shiryon means armor. So maybe it means that the armor worn by the warrior is no match against the counter-strike of Leviathan. Yachshov leteven barzel leetz rikavon nechusha. Iron will be like straw and bronze will be like rotten wood, which means that uh, striking it will cause it to fall apart like straw or rotten wood. Lo yavrichenu ven keshet ven kashet. No archer will put him, that is it, the Leviathan, to flight uh, as sling stones are turned to chaff, meaning they bounce off the armor and turn into little tiny pebbles. Note the play on the word keshet, ben keshet, and lakash, which we have again in the next verse. Kekash nech shivu totach v'yishak l'rash kidon. A totach will be considered like chaff as well, and it, the Leviathan, will laugh at the noise of the javelin, which either means the whizzing sound that makes that a javelin makes when it's thrown, or perhaps the way the warriors slam the javelin on their shields in order to make a, to scare off the enemy. The word totach in modern Hebrew means the main cannon of a tank or an artillery piece uh, and, and things of that nature. Regarding its meaning here, most commentators, almost every single one, simply says some kind of weapon because we really don't know what kind it is. So I can leave it at that, but it is interesting to point out that in the Arabic, the, the, the word watach, watach means to beat, like to beat with a club. Uh, verse 22, we discuss the underside. Now that we've discussed the, uh, the, uh, the, the top impenetrability of the crocodiles, we take a look on the underneath, expecting a soft underneath, but there's nothing there soft about it. It's underneath is like the gleaming sun. It is like gold carpeted over the mud, which means this beautiful golden structure, which is not easily penetrated either, like, like metal. Um, the, I went with the translation I gave you. I, I was translating Harris as the word sun. Um, remember that pottery, cheres, is called pottery because of the sun-like heat of the kiln, which makes it. And charutz is gold or, or yellowish gold, either the physical item gold or the color of it. Um, alternatively, if I want to go with a different translation, that is to show the impenetrability of the underside of the of the crocodile, of the Leviathan. So cheres can mean shards of clay and charutz can mean ditches. So the sense is that when Leviathan moves around on the ground, it is not impressed at all by rock stones, uh, pottery beneath and instead it leaves wakes essentially, it leaves trenches tossed up, of tossed up earth beneath it Yartiach kasir mitzula yam yasim kamer kacha it makes the deep waters boil like a cauldron, it turns the ocean into an ointment pot Rokeach means a mixture, whether of spices or ointments or, or, or what not uh, which was ground up and then boiled in this big pot to make an elixir, a perfume, a medicine, or what have you. In modern Hebrew, a merkachat is a pharmacy, and of course, if you look at the symbol of a pharmacy, you can still see the mortar and the pestle. The pestle is used to grind the ingredients into the mortar, which is this bowl, in order to make a final product. Um, this imagery of the water boiling as the uh, Leviathan moves through it continues in the next verse, verse 24. Acharav ya'ir nativ yachshov tahom in its wake, a path is made clear. The abyss is turned white. 
um, which means that the waters are turned white in bubbling agitation as it passes by. Again, this sounds a little bit more like a whale than a crocodile, but exactly what the Leviathan is and exactly what it represents, well, I don't have definitive answers. A crocodile fits most cases, but um, let's leave it open for further analysis. Um, continuing on, Ein al afar moshlo he'asu livli chet. He'asu really is a short form of he'asui, which is made. There is nothing living on the ground that can dominate it. He'asui livli chet because it is made without um, without fear. Now, who is this second part of the verse referring to? Perhaps it's referring to the Leviathan. Nothing can subdue the Leviathan because the Leviathan doesn't fall apart. It doesn't get afraid of anything. Perhaps, though, if we go back to the very beginning of this whole section, it's referring to the warrior that God dared to precede him and succeed him in its fight against it and the songs that would be sang about it. Now, if it's the latter, obviously this verse is offered as a rhetorical question, which means there is no such person who was made that has no fear, and therefore there is no person that could come against the uh, and dominate the Leviathan. It is only God that can control and defeat this creature. Um, and if that translation is true, and it's not referring to the Leviathan itself, then the last verse, I think, refers to God. At kol gavoah yireh, hu melech al kol shachatz. Again, some people think this refers to the Leviathan, but I think this refers to God. That is, God alone can oversee things from the highest point, that is, even over the head of the Leviathan. If you remember, we also had that word kol gova when God was challenging Eov in the last chapter. Can you identify every haughty thing, everything that needs to be brought down low? So I think that that's what this is referring to. Only God can identify every haughty thing, and therefore he, God, is the true king of every king of beasts. That is, you thought there was a shachatz, some creature which was at the top of the chain. Only God is at the top of the chain. So ultimately, what seems to be um, uh, the point that seems to be made here, the new idea that's added here, is that there are no forces which God cannot master. And in fact, there are some forces that require constant mastery by God. So man is equal to none of this. And just as God would have recognized man as the master and would not have challenged him and would have sung all about him if man could master the Leviathan, so uh, Eov should... Uh, do so in return. Eov should recognize that since God is the master, since God is the only one who can control uh, the Leviathan, so um, he is the master of all things and he should be sung about and not challenged. We will see, in fact, what Eov's response is in the next chapter.